Hello, and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 16. Thanks for being here. Happy Wednesday, everybody. And not just any Wednesday, may the 4th be with you. As I record this, it is May the 4th, Star Wars Day. But instead of watching Star Wars, I'm here with you recording this podcast. That's how much I love you. Plus, I've got the Star Wars movies on DVD. I can watch them anytime I want. What else is new? Oh, in other news, the rain-drunk grass is mocking me. No, I don't mean literally that my lawn is laughing at me, although that has happened, of course, as it has happened to us all. But it's been incredibly rainy uh, for several days, and then today it was nice and sunny, so the grass is growing bright and green and long and taunting me. But again... I'm inside talking to you rather than outside laying waste to blades of grass. Tell you people, I just love you too much. Uh, speaking of love, I love that I'm hearing from some of you guys on Facebook and Twitter. That's awesome. Just this week, I heard from Kurt Rain, who observed about barnstorming, which we talked about the last episode. Kurt said, it's a great game. It's fun but frustrating. I could never get enough points for the patch. Out of my way, birds. I hear you, man. That patch eluded us all. Also, out of my way, birds, is pretty much just a good slogan for life. Keep the comments coming on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. I like hearing from you. It's lonely in here without you. Uh, what else? Oh, here's something. Atari Bytes is now available, at least I assume it is by the time you hear this, on the Google Play app. Uh, Google has contacted me and said, yep. You're approved, we're going to put the podcast on here, and then I guess they're supposed to tell me when it's actually up, and as I record this, I haven't gotten that message yet, but I'm going to guess that by the time you hear this, you may be hearing it on Google, or if not, if you aren't, you can go look for it on Google, or tell your Android-inclined friends that they don't have any excuses not to listen to the show now. Alright, so time to talk about this week's game. This week's game is... Dun, da, da, da. I really need a thing for that. Anyway, today today's game is Warlords. 1981 Atari game. Good old classic. This was one of my favorites as a kid. Even though you had to go to all the trouble of unplugging the joystick and go find the paddles and plug those in and untangle the cord and figure out which paddle was the one you were supposed to use, uh, I still really liked the game. I have in my hand the actual paper manual from my copy of the game when I was a kid. If I look closely, I can probably still find some Cheeto dust in here. According to the manual, the battle objective is as follows. The object of the battle is to destroy the other three warlords before your warlord is destroyed. Use the paddle controller to protect your castle and your warlord. Parentheses. Your warlord is located inside the castle, as shown in figure one. Close parentheses. Because if we were under attack, that's sure as hell where I would be. Turn the knob, oh by the way, figure one is just a picture of uh, the screen, really not, as all, uh, not at all how it looks on the actual TV screen. Well, that's not fair. I guess it does sort of look like it. You've got uh, in each corner of the screen, you have the sort of rainbow colored barricade with something behind it that kind of looks like a castle. And then the, uh, the score counter by each castle and some little arrow showing you what they're talking about in the description. Turn the knob on the controller to move your shield around your castle and block the ball. 
which I think is a weird concept. If you're medieval warlords, shouldn't they be calling it a boulder, like from a catapult? Or a flaming peasant or something? When you miss the ball, it knocks out the bricks of your castle. Actually, that's not true. It knocks out the bricks of your barricade. As your castle breaks down, as your barricade breaks down, it becomes possible for the ball to hit your warlord. Okay, I get it. They're saying the little thing behind the barricade that I said sort of looks like a castle is in reality a thing that doesn't look anything like a warlord. I mean, seriously, it doesn't look at all, none of these look at all like Nicolas Cage. I'm going to have to get on Wikipedia and see if I'm correct that Nicolas Cage made a movie called Warlords. Let's you and I just pretend that I'm right about that and move on. Uh, where was I reading? As your castle breaks down, it becomes possible for the ball to hit your warlord. I said that already. At which time you're out of the battle. Each battle ends when only one warlord remains on the playfield. Big capital, all capital letters here. The first person or computer player to win five battles wins the war. Note that a shield controlled by the computer will move slower than a shield controlled by a human player. To compensate for this fact, the computer player and shield have the power to throw the ball in unexpected directions. Those jerk faces. Also, when a warlord has been killed, his ghost will haunt the battlefield. What? If the ball comes near, the ghost may actually hit the ball in a new direction. Huh. Played this game, like, a thousand times, and I never realized that that's what that was supposed to be. Because, of course, you don't see a ghost on the screen, and on an Atari game, even if you did, the ghost would probably be, like, a blue square or something. If you look closely, you may even catch a glimpse of the ghost and his shield. I don't think so. Uh, asterisk. Of the 23 games in Warlords, each game has fast, lightning, or slow, fireball speeds. See section 5, game variations, and the game select matrix for a description and breakdown of all the games. Okay. Uh, that describes console controls, you know, how to select the game. You're using the paddle controllers for this one, like I said. It gives you step-by-step -step instructions how to hold the paddle controller, which is not as amusing to me as the instructions in the manuals for other games that tell you to hold the joystick with the button in the upper left-hand corner, which, for some reason, known only to my subconscious, uh, is extremely funny to me. Uh, let's see, what else we have here? Um, uh, there's different game variations. You can play with anywhere from one to four actual humans. However many uh, spots aren't taken up with humans are filled in with computer players. There's a fireball or lightning ball speed. The shields, ricochet or catch. Your shield function either your shields function either with ricochet or catch. Ricochet simply means that the ball rebounds off your shield whenever contact is made. The catch feature means that the ball sticks to your shield when you hold down the red controller button before the contact is made. The ball comes off the shield at high speed when you release the button. Use the catch feature to aim the ball at your opponents or to change the pace of the battle. Okay, seriously, can we stop calling it a ball? It's a boulder for crying out loud. Children's versions. Games 21, 22, and 23 are special versions for young children. The gameplay is slowed down considerably. All three games feature ricochet rather than catch, and all three have fireballs, in other words, the slow balls. The only difference in the three play in the three games is the number of players, four, three, or two. Check the game select matrix, which is really just a little multicolored chart because everything Atari does is multicolored. Um, with a breakdown, number of players, and whether you're using shields or what the ball speed and that kind of thing is. Uh, helpful hints. When you first start playing Warlords and they put a parentheses between the D and the S, tisk tisk. Choose games with slow ball speed, fireball. This will help you get the feel of the game faster. Also, there are certain positions in which your ball always comes off your shield at the same angle or in the same direction. 
Learn these positions and use them to your advantage against your opponents. Don't be too predictable. If you attempt to shoot from the same angle or from the same position too often, your opponents will know what to expect and will nearly always be able to block your shots. Vary your attacks to keep the others off guard. Study your opponent's weaknesses. You can learn a lot by studying the habits of the enemy. You may find, for example, that one of your opponents moves very well in one direction when attempting to block shots, but has trouble moving in the opposite direction. Obviously, then, you want to concentrate on the direction he or she has trouble moving to, because you are a sick individual. I might have added that part. Team competition. You will find that four-player games are terrific because the action is fierce and extremely competitive. You may even want to create teams and battle for the best cumulative score. One of the nice things about all these Atari games back in the day, which is a way overused phrase, Atari really did push the whole, this is a thing for the whole family to do. Which is why so often, as with my family, the Atari was the family Christmas present one year. And everybody really did play. It was a multi-generational thing. Games today, I suppose, are still kind of like that to some extent. But I think there is more of a split between younger and older, generally. Not always. Uh, in who's playing these games. And they're not, you know, overall. I mean, they're certainly family-friendly Xbox and PlayStation games. But not, I don't think, to the extent that Atari was. Uh, anyway, that's not really what we're here to talk about. Let's see if there's anything else in the manual. Let's see, the game select matrix, and the table of contents, and... Oh my god! You know what? It's story time! That's right, kids. Chapter 1 of the manual. They give us a little story. I just peed a little. Alright, get control of yourself, Bill. Here, take a drink. I don't know if the mic picked that up or not, but right now, my cat is off in a corner, scratching in the litter box. Apparently she was very excited about the presence of a story in our Atari manual, too. Alright, sit back, relax, Uncle Bill's gonna read you a story. Once, long ago, in a distant land, lived a king named Frederick. He took very good care of his subjects, and pretty much let the kingdom run itself. One day, King Frederick and his wife, Queen Christina, decided to start a family. To their surprise, Queen Christina soon gave birth to quadruplets. And they got her own TLC show. I might have added that part. Four healthy sons all at once. Just in case you didn't know what quadruplets meant. The king and queen were overwhelmed. No kidding. My wife and I did it the old-fashioned way with one at a time. And stopped at two. And we were overwhelmed also. So, you know, good on you, King Frederick. The years passed quickly, and Frederick's sons, Dominic, Marcus, Felipe, and Restivo, grew up to be strong young men, but they were nothing like their kind and peaceful father. They were just the opposite. The four sons of King Frederick fought constantly over anything and everything. Their fighting was so fierce that even the normally unconcerned Frederick became concerned. Left to his violent and competitive sons, his peaceful kingdom could very well be destroyed after he was gone, or perhaps even sooner. The solution King Frederick decided upon was drastic, but he knew it had to be. Dominic, Marcus, Felipe, and Restivo were banished from their homeland and sent far away to a forbidden land. Well, apparently not entirely forbidden. He was able to send them there. There they became warlords. They divided their... Who were they warlords over? If it was forbidden, was there anyone else there? Anyway. They divided their newly acquired territory into four equal sectors, which, incidentally 
was the first and last thing they ever agreed upon. Then they took to building their own castles, after which the battling resumed and never ended. They stopped catapulting fireballs and lightning balls at one another only long enough to rebuild their damaged and war-torn castles. After repairs were made, the fighting always began again with renewed ferocity. So King Frederick's warlords have been battling for many centuries, and now it's up to you to carry on their long-standing feud. Dominic, Marcus, Felipe, and Restivo have been locked inside the game cartridge. They've stored up enough fireballs and lightning balls that they'll never run out, and neither will you. They can hardly wait to do battle, so good luck. You're in for some fierce competition. Okay, in these 16 episodes of this show, we have um, dealt with space aliens, painting gorillas, yars that want revenge, little guys hopping up and down on a pyramid, in some sort of after-school special about bullying. What I'm saying is we've done some weird stuff. To suggest that the game we're playing features humans trapped inside a game cartridge? That's pretty messed up, even for Atari. And you know what? I like it. This is right in the wheelhouse of the Atari Bytes podcast. I am excited about this. I think... I'm going to go strap on some chain mail, not because of the game, but because it's Wednesday. And after the break, we're going to lord some war, or commit war on some lords, or something. Anyway, roll the thing. Dominic, or possibly Felipe, scratchy, clawing to get out of your game cartridge. But oh no, not just yet, brother. The other brothers would like to have a word with you. <laughs> to the castle walls. multicolored battleground of battling. I don't know which brother I am. I'm gold. That must mean I'm good, right? Gold is good. Catch that pink boulder. I don't like Dominic. Possibly Felipe. Oh, by Greenberg. Then there were three. Ooh, took out two of my brothers. That's going to be awkward at Thanksgiving.
What are you looking at me now, Dad? Back to you in the studio. Alright, the battlefield is silent once again, and we have a chance to assess the carnage. You know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles really is a great basis for a video game. Leonardo, Michelangelo, Raphael, Donatello, defending their sewer castle, and... What's this? I've just been handed a note. What does it say? Oh! The four brothers aren't turtles. They're warlords. Duh! The lack of pizza boxes should have been a clue. That's a hip Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference for you kids. I've always liked the Warlords game. I think I said that earlier. I'd forgotten a bit about how these guys were supposed to be brothers, or that they even had names. I thought the little thing you were looking at inside each of the barriers was the castle, not the actual warlord. And this thing about being trapped inside the game is just freaky, man. It's like some sort of weird 2-bit, 8-bit, Kryptonian Phantom Zone kind of thing going. Or like how the 10th Doctor trapped the uh, the, the Family of Blood inside uh, the mirror to punish them uh, for trying to kill him and a bunch of other people. Um, that's a nifty uh, Doctor Who Season 2 reference for you Doctor Who fans. I suppose the idea of trapping the humans inside the game and suggesting that you're playing out their war as a video game is a way of softening up the concept that otherwise basically what you're doing is engaging in the slaughter of brother against brother. So I guess that kind of ties in with the whole Atari tries to make things family-friendly thing. Warlords is not the most sophisticated game ever, by a long shot, even by uh, Atari standards, but it's pretty fun. The bright rainbow-hued scheme is really not medieval at all. The icons, as with many Atari games, don't really look like what you're told they are. You know, castle behind a rainbow Kit Kat bar is pretty much all I got out of it, but apparently I was a little bit off there. I will say the shield, now that I know what it is, the shield actually does kind of look sort of shield-like, I guess. But the game is fun. Especially fun uh, with other humans. I was playing by myself tonight for purposes of the game, but uh, of the podcast, but it's Warlords is especially fun if you have at least one other opponent who's a human. And if you can get three other ones, um, obviously that's three times as better. I've tried to get my kids to play with me, but they just don't get into this game very much. Oh well. Typical nerd story. No one will play with me. <sighs> but enough about the gameplay. What about the story within the game? They gave us the setup, right? So often on this show, we have to make up a whole story because Atari doesn't tell us anything about what we're actually doing on screen. But this time, they gave us our premise. Thanks, Atari. But does this premise hold up under field conditions? Are Dominic, Marcus, Felipe, and Restivo well served by this story? And what about King Frederick and poor Queen Christina, who has uh, you know, a schmuck for a husband? So, as always, let's review quick. What are the five elements of a plot? Anybody? You in the back. Don't be shy. That's right. The five points of a classic plot or a classic story are, one, the introduction or exposition part, followed by the rising action. The peak of the story is the climax. And any stuff that comes afterwards is the falling action. And the conclusion is called the resolution, or the denouement. So, in Warlords, so, in Warlords, 
introduction exposition part is taken care of for us by the manual. That little story that I read you. King Frederick and Queen Christina are dying to get a bunch of free stuff from advertisers. So they sign up for a TLC show and have quadruplets. Marcus, Dominic, Felipe, and Restivo. The brothers don't get along. King Frederick is a benevolent dictator, but he's kind of passive-aggressive, and he doesn't do much to control this until finally he decides, I don't have any ideas. I don't know what to do. You rotten kids, go to the Forbidden Land and sort it out. So that's what they do. That's the setup for the story. Rising action. Sadly, this story about battling knights, uh, battling warlords, uh, includes not a single knight who says knee, which is the big downfall of the story. But there are four brothers busy chucking ground chuck, or cows, or catapulting boulders, or fireballs, or whatever. I'd like to see some boiling oil at this point. Maybe, um, uh, maybe flinging some peasants over the wall or something. But we don't get that. We get the little pink ball, which I guess is a fireball. I'm also pretty sure that if this were an actual, like, a novel, at this point in the story, one of the brothers would eat it. I'm going to say Restivo. Battle rages on until you hit the climax. Another brother falls. Marcus, maybe. Really, at this point, at the peak of the story, shouldn't King Frederick, like, show up? You know, ride up on his horse or come ashore in his boat or something and then give a good speech about family unity? You know, and then, of course, he falls down dead. Uh, or maybe he's already a ghost, maybe he had a big heart attack at the castle, and all the servants were like, we can't touch him, he's the king. So he's dead, and then his ghost goes to the Forbidden Land? That would be cool. The manual did tell us we might see the ghost of a warrior on screen, which I think is a bunch of hooey, but, you know, that would make for a good story. So, at the climax, we're saying that a second brother has fallen, and Tin Frederick has failed to unite the remaining brothers. Falling action of the story, as things start to slow down. The remaining two brothers attempt a peace accord, which basically means um, you take a pee break in the game, and then you come back. But this game's a tragedy by design, so you know that this peace accord thing isn't going to work. Felipe hesitates, then he fires the fatal shot that seals the family's fate. And finally, the resolution, the end of the story. One warlord, Dominic, stands alone. He's ruler of the f kingdom of the Forbidden Land, but oh, it's such a cost. No matter. All the brothers will be resurrected to relieve the events over and over inside their new cartridge of hell where they have to carry out their existence from now on. It's circle of life stuff, really. If Stephen King taught us anything, it's that Ka is a wheel. Remember that, folks. Remember that. And that's our show. But before we go, Bill Kendrick from the XCGS podcast bribed my bodyguard with an old Miss Pac-Man cartridge to get into the studio. So as long as he's here, he might as well tell you about the awesome Atari party. Here's Bill. Hey, Bill. It's Bill Kendrick from the XCGS Cart by Cart podcast. I want to let you and your listeners know that I'm hosting my 8th annual Atari party this summer out here in Davis, California. That's near Sacramento and not far from the San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley. It's free and will undoubtedly have at least one Atari 2600 set up. 
It's a one-day event on Saturday, July 30th. Visit newbreedsoftware.com slash Atari Party for more info. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. And my thanks also to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the Creative Commons use of his songs, Take a Chance, Reformat, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on a variety of podcatchers, including, now, Google Play. And, of course, Stitcher and TuneIn and all the others. Do please leave a review on iTunes, by the way. Every time a review is left, an angel gets its wings. You don't want to be responsible for a wingless angel, do you? Do you? You can also like the show on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally, at Carnival of Glee. And you can also support the show on our Patreon page, or in our Zazzle store, AB underscore pod underscore store. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Thank you.